Welcome to Capability Amplifier, the show for business owners and entrepreneurs who want high-performance upgrades for their brains, bodies, and bank accounts. All right, we're back for another round of Capability Amplifier. This one I've been thinking about for a little while. We made a promise, which is the best pitch I ever heard. And the way I'm going to frame this is at a really remarkable opportunity recently to do a show called Elevator Pitch with Entrepreneur. And so it's like Shark Tank, really well-produced program. And we'll make sure that there are links in the liner notes, but you can go to entrepreneur.com to watch these. It's like Jerry Seinfeld's driving through restaurants, take oh, yeah. out restaurants, you know. Yeah, it has been a really fun experience because I got to listen to a whole bunch of pitches, good and bad. Mm -hmm. And of course, there are two purposes of this thing. One of them is, well, actually there's three. We are creating good TV to create a lot of views and interest so entrepreneur can sell advertising, okay? Very capitalistic. We're supporting the business owners with advice and investments, and we're genuinely making investments in this show. And of course, we have to do due diligence afterwards and continuing to build the brand, mm -hmm. the entrepreneur brand, which this program is a highly elevated program. There's really good judges. And so, of course, I get prepared and when I walk into the program, we haven't seen or heard of any of the deals. We're completely blind. And up until then, I only knew one of the judges, had never met him before. And of course, that's supposed to be the appeal because we're encouraged to kind of screw each other, you know? <laughs> but we can either do deals together or we can undercut another one. And like one of the people, for example... You can be envious. You can we be can totally be or be crafty. <laughs> and as I said, not only did I learn a lot from it, but it was the first time in 30 years where in the past I either was behind the camera as a director, producer, or later on for 15 years, I've been writing, directing, producing, and being on camera. And this time I just got to be talent. And I got to tell you, it is so nice to be around extraordinarily competent production people doing real TV. It's amazing. Is there a network with this or do they create and then go to a network? Yeah. So what's happening right now is they've been self-distributing through entrepreneur.com. Of course, it's on YouTube, all the social channels. They're on Apple TV, Roku, all the YouTube, devices, obviously. of course. And yeah, the last episodes hit over a million episodes in two days. So it's like, boom, it really generates some visibility traffic. I've noticed an uptick in people reaching out to me, of course, wanting money, but what I think is so interesting and what you and I both love is we love to sell, we love <laughs> to buy, we love to package. And I want to talk about your perspective on what makes for a great pitch. And then mm -hmm. throughout this, sprinkle in a couple other lessons and learnings I've had. So let's talk about pitching. First of all, I mean, I consider that I'm I'm at the foot of the master here in this presentation. So I want to tell you what I've learned in growing our own business, what has worked best. And actually, I've got a definition of selling that Joe Polish really liked. And he actually quotes me on this. And that is that there's two parts to selling. First of all, you engage another person intellectually with a future desirable jump in their life 
that really appeals to them. But not only that, it's good for them. So the first thing is that it's something you're engaging them intellectually. Their mind really, really engages with this. Future pacing is, from an NLP perspective, yeah. real powerful. And then the yeah. other thing is that you support the person to make the emotional commitment to actually take action to get that future result. So one part is intellectual and the other one is emotional, that you actually support the person emotionally to actually get there. Give me an example well, of what I'll that looks like. Well, I'll tell you how like. I, you know, I, I tell you know, my sales team, I said, I've got two observations. One is that you talk too much. And as a matter of fact, if you were really good, you wouldn't be talking at all. Okay. But what I do, and I just had quite a famous person, he's well known, who joined the program. And the way that I did it with him is that I said, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Could you tell me when you started being an entrepreneur? I said, when was it when you look back at your career, you can say you crossed the line into the entrepreneurial world? And then I'll ask them questions. And every time they give me a result, and I said, so what new capability came out of that that actually opened doors for you and jumped to the level? And then I get the whole thing. And I could be at the 25-minute mark. I can be at the half-minute mark. And I haven't said anything about strategic coach. I haven't said anything about me. And I said, now, let me ask you a question. If you go back, everything you've said, and I've got a good memory for these things, like your five jumps in business and everything like that, I remembered each one of them. And then I said, with each one of them, is there something you always do the same or something that's always the same about that? And an answer would be, I finally came to a point in my life where there was no alternative to take the risk to jump to the next level. But there was no alternative. I couldn't delay it. I couldn't step aside to do it. And I said, well, I've got a question for you. We're on the phone here together. Is one of the reasons why we're talking is because you're at one of these points? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay, now tell me about the next jump. And then, then we talk about the future. And I always tell the salespeople, you can never have someone commit to a bigger, more confident future unless you let them have a more confident past. That's really powerful. So you have to create rapport and connection and clarify their past in a way that's meaningful to now and to the future and create trust. Well, the other thing is, in doing what I did with them, I just told them what the program's all about. One, it's all about them. And number two, they're going to be thinking about their life in a way that they hadn't seen because we have great questions. So then they said, well, what's the program about? And I said, well, you just experienced it. I said, when you come to coach, I said, was that last half hour? He said, oh, great. He said, I've never seen any of this stuff. He said, you know, I'm seeing all sorts of possibilities. I said, well, you just had the experience of the program. That's great. Yeah, that's my approach to selling. And there's one weakness that all entrepreneurs have. They discount their past and they're trying to get away from it as fast as they can. And there's riches back there. There's gold in the places where you've been. And I was talking to Chris Voss, who just joined the program in Los Angeles. And Chris was the top-ranked ever FBI kidnap uh, negotiator, neg yeah. negotiator, you know. I had watched his method. And I mean, it's he only asks questions that the kidnapper can say no to. You know, and he'll say, this is a really dicey situation, you know, that uh, you're in right now. And he said, you know, the world's looking at this. And here's the problem. 
you don't really want people to see you as a monster here, do you? And the guy said, no, I'm not a monster. He says, yeah, I can see that. Boy, the last thing in the world you want to be here is a monster, don't you? And then he gets them going, but he keeps asking questions that they got to say no to. And, the, you know, I mean, two things that are happening. The person is talking himself totally out, whatever his intention was. But the other thing, there's this enormous rapport. He's having greater rapport with the FBI guy than he's ever had with anyone in his life. And part of the problem is he's never had rapport with anyone in his life. Yeah. And he actually, Chris was saying that he gets letters from kidnappers afterward. They haven't been caught, but he'll get a letter saying, I just want you to know that that was one of the most enjoyable experiences. And he <laughs> let the victim, he got him off, but they didn't capture the kidnapper. You know, he got the person back from yeah. the kidnapper, but the person got away. And then he'll get a letter. He said, I just want to tell you, I, I really, really enjoyed our talk. <laughs> and he said, I don't know whether that's a good thing. or." I think he should. his next book should be publishing all these letters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the thing is that that's a pitch. He's got a life on the line, right. and he's making a pitch that the person doesn't follow through on the threats towards the victim. I mean, that's a pitch. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's as much a pitch as any pitch in the world. It's interesting. So I'm going to isolate this in a couple little categories. One of them is when we talk about a pitch, like what you just talked about is what I would call an enrollment conversation or I think a higher frequency descriptor is an alignment conversation, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. There's a distinction between a pitch and a sale, an enrollment and an alignment. Mm -hmm. And alignment is when the person sees working with you as there's no alternative and they never felt like they were sold at all. Mm -hmm. They're just like, this is an obvious next step. Mm -hmm. However, it requires a one-on-one -on -one engagement, which is in an inefficient cell. Yeah. Okay. A traditional pitch, for example, in the context of elevator pitch, for example, is the guest or the entrepreneur has 60 seconds. So they walk into an elevator, the timer starts, and they have 60 seconds. And then us as judges can vote yes or no to open up the door and continue our conversation to decide whether or not we want to hear them. And so he's in the elevator they're and in the, the door elevator. doesn't open. Doesn't open and they get a red thing and they're like, oh. <laughs> so they're in the elevator until. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, and what happens is we're talking behind their back while oh, they're good. in the elevator. Oh, good. Now in the oh, show. so they're learning nothing from your they discussion. They don't learn anything oh, boy, at all. Oh, boy. They just hear uh, it from the producer. Okay. Now, the truth now, is. Now, do you have to do mental stability checks before you do this? So they're supposedly screening them. So one of the episodes, <laughs> one of the guests. She gets in there and she stops and she's like, I screwed up. And she's like, ah, I always screw up. This is just, ah. and she just sits there and meanders and winces and lives this moment of screwing up in a, in a loop. Mm -hmm. And as judges, so I'm paying attention to the psychology of the judges. And some of them are very experienced investors and they're like, don't give up. Don't stop. Just start all over. Come on, honey. Can you know they're because she just didn't start. <laughs> but she again. can't hear them. She can't hear them, <laughs> and no one's going to go in there and rescue her. They're yeah, just going to yeah. let the timer tick down. Right? <laughs> it's kind of cruel. Well, it is and it isn't. It isn't. First of all, the person wasn't drafted into doing this. They chose to do it. That's so, right. You only get 
10% cruelty if you chose to be in this situation. Right, you know? that's I exactly mean, <laughs> if it was imposed upon you. Exactly. You woke up one day, you got abducted by aliens, plopped yeah, in here, then you, you got, got a, a Then you got a case, but yeah. you don't have a case. No, and I, I decided to be like, eh, you know, it's too bad. Yeah. yeah. And some of the others, again, some of them do a great job, but I started studying intensely, like, what makes a great pitch? And, you know, some of the key things that show up is, and this is something that shows up all the time, these people have no idea who the audience is. As judges, they don't know who the hell they're talking to. They haven't researched us. They haven't clearly haven't watched good or bad pitches. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah. And then other ones really nail it, but they're able to paint a picture and they're clear on their ask. So they have a really, really clear call to action. That's the thing that I'd say... 75% of them are missing is like precisely, here's what I want, here's what you'll get at the end. Watching pitches, now I understand how VCs, after they've heard 3,000 or 5,000 pitches, get so good at knowing what to ask and being able to coach or advise or just go, oh my God, you know, they're done in five seconds. They're like, this person doesn't have a prayer. And part of it is you're looking through, okay, if I invested in this person, how would they represent me? And be like, I'd never take this clown into a meeting. Yeah, You know, they know billionaires and it's like, you're not ready to have a conversation with a kindergartner, you know? Yeah. So the next thing though that I wanted to touch on is something I think about a lot. So I think about, well, how would I automate the sales process for strategic coach? And oftentimes when I work with someone, I have to figure out their messaging. I have to figure out their audience Mm -hmm. with them. I have to figure out some way of packaging the person Mm -hmm. and the business and the brand, leverage their core story, their backstory and their history, and then have a conversation with the right fit audience in a completely automated fashion. Mm -hmm. And truth is like lately i've been thinking about it through my own lens because i'm doing a very different kind of a sale now in the past i sold two thousand five thousand dollar products strategic coach for example you start out at around fifteen thousand dollars a year twelve five all the way up to fifty yeah right and then there's also corporate training and anytime you're at a more than six thousand dollar offer That is kind of a threshold, in my experience, for an online sale, an automated online sale. Not always, but often. You mean below that, it's okay? It's easy. Six grand and under, easy. But once you go above six. Above that, you can create either a paid enrollment conversation. So someone consults with you, and you have to provide value in exchange for that. But it essentially is an enrollment conversation they're paying for. Or a multi-step triaged application process right okay and now i've been working on i invested recently in a linkedin automation company so i'm providing guidance and some capital to the founder and i selfishly wanted to invest in this because i think linkedin is one of the most underutilized platforms for selling in fact we haven't even had a conversation about this. It is a perfect fit tool for strategic coaching. Yeah, all your and sales it's kind people. of interesting because a guy came up to me and he says, "Hi, I'm Joshua Lee. I'm your LinkedIn." And I said, "Well, is he at this event?" Yeah, he's at this event oh, right now. I yeah. didn't. I didn't bump into him yet. Yeah, yeah, and everything. And I know that our team went with LinkedIn, but I didn't know who it was. So yeah. So that tells you my mastery of this topic. Right. Right. <laughs> well, here I'll get to the the point because to me it's 
as we're shifting into a shorter attention span world and culture, and LinkedIn is a platform that right now has, I think, 580 million business owners and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. which is close to, it's a significant percentage well, of the, the world's entrepreneurs. Well, the other thing is it isn't anything except business owners. You're right. What other medium do you have in the world? Yes, and 30% of the user base uses a product monthly, and then a pretty significant percentage uses it daily. A lot of people are on there. Yeah, It is a free zone frontier as far as I'm concerned. So I started using this platform. It's called clickedin.io. That's the name of the, the platform. And what it does is it automates. You set up a search, you set up a campaign, and then you set up a conversation. And it's like a marketing. It's like an autoresponder sequence that starts going to the person. And of course, the more personalized and friendly it is, the more likely someone is going to be engaging in a conversation. And you can send it video clips and photos and PDFs as well. Oh, wow. So I've got it running, and I've got a 37% take rate, which is very high. So it's completely cold. 37% are responding to the connection request and then starting a conversation. Really impressive. So what I've been thinking about a lot lately is how do you create a pitch, an enrollment conversation, and automate the majority of it to the point of either a yes, I want to work with you, or a deliberate sales call. Yeah. And that's this whole psychology. So it's interesting to hear, you know, how would we automate the Dan Sullivan enrollment conversation or the alignment conversation and package that in a way that's palatable, doesn't feel spammy, feels very personal, and at least starts that conversation. Well, and the other thing is that part of our positioning is our price points. We're not bottom basement. Well, I'd be really, really intrigued with that. And I have to tell you how we're lucky. So we're just celebrating in a week and a half. It's 30 years since we've had the program. Well, one, that's actually a a value in itself that we've been out there. And we have exactly the same business model. We have exactly the same business target. So there's been a consistency that's been proved through 20,000 entrepreneurs. So that's the number who have spent at least a year in the program is 20,000. The average is about slightly over three years. So it's about 60,000 hours of entrepreneurial participation, Right, 60,000 years of <laughs> entrepreneurial participation. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yes. Yeah. One billion, no, 60,000. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so anyway. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. But, Evil. But I'll tell you one of the tricks that I pulled off in my life of how I can be most excited about my future at 75, at least 10 times more excited about my future at 75 than I was at 45, is that every time we hit a level, I go back to, okay, now I'm back to 100% learning again. After I've gotten to 100% achievement, then I say, okay, well, that was nice, and let's celebrate, and you know, let's make sure that how we're presenting ourselves looks like we've been 100% successful, but now we have to go back to 100% learning. So this comes at an extraordinarily opportune time for me right now, and I just filled in one of my impact filter boxes with your conversations. So. Oh, that's great. So tell me precisely what it is, because I've got another question for you after yeah. that. Well, here's the thing. I've been thinking since we started doing the podcast that I want to do your process, but the people that you told me about 
I've already done that part of the process in my career. So I was trying to line up. I would like to work with Mike's process, but I'm in a position where I can tell him all my goals. In yeah. other words, you know, yeah. I've, I've got this huge goal and we're kind of goal mastery people. So we've got that, but it's not about me going to a higher level. It's about the company, the process, and everything going to the next level. And one of the things we're experiencing is exactly the barriers between us and someone even knowing about us. Right. So that's the problem to be solved. When we started, we were using landlines, and there was a 50% chance you could get the person you wanted to talk to to pick up the landline. And it's and hideously it poor now. Yeah. So I've been contemplating, what's the next job? And it's not about me. I mean, no. I'm cool. You know, I'm I'm handled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm handled. Plus, I've multiplied myself through podcasts and books, and I got a beautiful deal with three other players right. where that'll be kind of taken care of. I don't really, really have to do a lot with that. But this particular issue is the number one issue that we actually have for the growth of the company in the future. And I think I'm just representing a lot of other growth-minded, successful, ambitious entrepreneurs. They've got exactly the same problem. They do. And as I had said, the way I have my alignment enrollment conversations now, almost all of my business comes from either people listen to the podcast or have a past relationship with me and they saw that I'm doing something different, they're reaching out, yeah. or I meet at events, and now I'm doing direct response. So I'm building and evolving what I think is the next generation of conversations, automated conversations, and using the platform I think is the best in the world right now that has been unexploited. Can I ask you a question here? Yeah. I've just been pitched, haven't I? It's great. I didn't do any pitching. You just enrolled yourself. It's freaking awesome. I got to recreate this. I'm going to re-listen to this over and over again. But I do want to ask you on that note. I said, you sneaky wabbit, you. Uh, whoa. We're hunting wabbits today. We're hunting Dan Sullivan's, and we're going to go. All right. So my next question, here is my question, though. If you look back to what's the best pitch you remember hearing that stands out in your mind that made you go, God, I got to jump in and do this thing. So that didn't take long for you to, so you know what it is or you don't know what it is. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I was thinking the greatest one word pitch in the history of humanity. Do you know what it is? It's Caesar, Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar was a phenomenal self-promoter. Whether what he's famous for he actually did, we don't know. But we do know that he was a very great self-promoter. And he wrote the history of the Roman conquest of all the frontiers. And there was this one particular situation. And what happened as the Roman Empire grew, the soldiers who were fighting their wars weren't Romans. They were the peoples that they conquered. And then they would enroll their best warriors into sure. the Roman army. And it got to a point where it was approaching 80, 90%. And he had one of these armies. They had the core, you know, the they had like the Navy SEALs at the heart of the thing. But then the, you know, the, the real workers were people. And they were rebelling because they weren't getting the benefits of fighting Rome's wars. They weren't getting the pay. Yeah. They weren't getting the promise. They weren't getting the status, the, the women, they the weren't food, getting the, the free, land. They weren't yeah. getting the free land, especially the free land thing. Wow. And so there was this rebellion and it was going to turn really, really nasty and violent. And 
the story is that Caesar jumped up on a rock or something where he could look at all the seething masses, and he said, Civitas, and everything stopped. And the word Civitas was fellow citizens, which meant he just granted Roman citizenship to the whole group. It was a one-word pitch, and he solved the problem. So... That and, is but he totally under, genius. He totally understood the context. He understood the framing. He understood the solution and found one word that would do the trick. <laughs> oh. <So laughs> and he had the right to grant someone Roman citizenship. So they knew it was a legit deal. And, and that, yeah. plus, he was a big deal. It's like being, yeah, it's being granted the kingdom of heaven by God, effectively, at that time, at least on earth. Yeah, yeah. And... The enormous framing and contextualization. So you obviously knew what the benefits were. Oh yeah, you were rebelling because you knew what the benefits were, yeah. and you weren't getting and you didn't them. Get it. And you weren't getting them. But it really struck me that that was the greatest one-word pitch. And so the- this is my offer to you, Dan. I want to find Civitas for strategic coach and automate that conversation. Yeah. And I'd be totally. Up to that. That's a great idea. And you're That's ta- a game And changer. you're talking to a check writer here. So I've been troubled. I've been doing what I call sleep loops for months. Because I've been doing all kinds of interesting things with interesting people. And we've talked about a few of them. But I think this could be my game changer. Oh, yeah. So, well, it's not a game changer. It's your free zone frontier. It's my free zone frontier, nobody's yes. Because nobody's going to go here. No, and and the reason is because if you don't have your last thirty years, one, you wouldn't know how to go here, and second thing, you wouldn't have any credibility. Yes, you're not doing this in your twenties and thirties. Yeah, no, I don't have my youthful childhood behaviors or thoughts getting in the way at this. Well, stage. Well, let's have so. a silent fist bump here. <laughs> well, we do have this uh, recorded oh, on yeah. video too. <laughs> so this is my free zone frontier. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I've, made the decision right now, and I want to make Strategic Coach my greatest success story. Great. In my history. How's that? Yeah. We double-pitched each other. We double-pitched each this other. This is great. Holy cow. Oh, this, yeah. this has got to be one of the most unique podcasts in the world where each of the, <laughs> each of the partners pitched the other person. This is my favorite episode. Yeah. Well, officially. it is. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So... Let's summarize this. What's your biggest takeaway in the Civitas episode? Well, well, the thing that comes across, and I just had a discussion with someone who is pitching a new thing out there, and it has to do with healthcare and and everything like that, and it has to do with taking people to a very high level with very high level healthcare practitioners, but what I noticed about it was that it was all content-based. And I said, I have to tell you, I said, if you're trying to interest me and you're trying to interest people that I influence, the biggest problem in my life is content, okay? And what I'm looking for is actually content. You're talking about consumption of content. Consumption versus of content. creating content. Consumption, That's a, con- yeah. consumption. I said, if I could drop my consumption of content by 95%, that would be a real solution. And I said, what I'm looking for is context. You want curation. Yeah. And context. Well, I I want context. In other words, I want 
what is being presented to get me to think about my thinking in relationship to what's being presented. I don't need a lot of content to do a lot of contextual thinking. So yes. I'm lightweight on the amount of content I need to have a intellectual breakthrough or to have a creative breakthrough. I, I don't need a lot of content. That is precisely... And I'm, I think this is what you're talking about, right? It is exactly... No, we're looking for, we're looking for the... 21st century in our world equivalent of Caesar's civitas. That's what we're looking for. The one word. That, yes. I mean, if you have five words, I think that's still acceptable. It's good. And I think people are willing to go on a journey yep. with you as long as they understand the context and its relevance. Yeah. And when I said curation before, I see the... So curation would be a byproduct of accepting the context and yeah. the journey, right? Yeah. But curation is what happens after they're enrolled, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. I'm at a point where all the content that you're actually offering, I already have access to all that content. Yes. So that would not be an attractor to me, but if there was a process where you could actually take the content and turn it into new insights and new strategies and everything, I'd be very, very interested. Yeah. But I wouldn't recommend anyone if it was just going to be overwhelmed, tsunami, more content. You're offering as a solution what's actually the problem. Precise. And I can tell you, this is the difference between the 20 and the 30 and the 40-year-old me and the 53-year-old me is my most attractive word right now is simplicity. Mm, mm -hmm. I think reductionism. And when I told you I was having spinny sleep loops, most of my what I consider my lucid dreaming or my waking dream states are no cycles. All the things I'm saying no to, and I'm overwhelmed by the quantity of no's. <laughs> and that's a new experience, a new mental experience. Well, it's really interesting because, you know, I mean, the next quarterly book, which is actually a workshop for us, and you'll be in the workshop and you'll have read the book, is called Always Be the Buyer. And I said, the difference between a seller and a buyer, a seller is someone who's rejected. It's the paralyzed woman in the elevator who can't, you know, <laughs> now she's got the judge's prisoner. Right on. <laughs> okay, she's got you prisoner. I love I it. I mean, you think she's a prisoner, but she's actually got you a prisoner, you know. Precisely. Come on, come on, come on, honey, get back, you know, who's the prisoner here, you know. But the thing is that, You've arrived at the point where you are a master of what you have to say no to in life. None of us have been when we come up, you know, we're always doing experimental yeses. Yes. And then we get beaten up by most of what we say yes to. And then gradually you say, you know, there's actually a bypass to experimental yeses that's just say no <laughs> right and the funny thing is when i look at the majority of my woes as an entrepreneur it's poorly timed yeses or hopium based guessing yeah right guess yesing or guess yesing i had a, a young participant here come up and it was a woman and she came up to me and she said i just want you to know that what i want because i hit this wanting thing, is that one day you'll be my mentor. And I said, well, that'd be a no. That'd be a no. And she, she said, what? And I says, well, first of all, nobody gets to deal with me who wants me as their mentor. 
And I said, you just disqualified yourself by telling me what your intentions were. And I always say no to that intention. <laughs> intention. And she said, but you said it was about wanting. And well, you can want anything you want. It has no bearing on me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it has no bearing on yeah. me. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's dust. Yeah, dust yeah, in the wind. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I said, you're just kind of approaching this in the wrong direction. I said, I have mentors, but it's because both of us have something big that we're heading towards. And in order for me to get to the much higher goal, this other person has capabilities that I don't have, nor do I want to spend any time developing. Yes. But it's also true for the other individual. They would say that in certain ways, I'm the mentor too. And this is... And that's two buyers buying each other. <laughs> yes, it is. And I will also say, if you want to get away from the circumstance of being the seller who's been disqualified, <laughs> you've got to create a great offer. Yeah. And what we did today is we created great offers. I already knew what your next level offer was to me, which was to be in Free Zone Frontier. But part of my old story was, I got to have a damn good reason mm -hmm. to be there. My intention wasn't to sit down today and pitch you on anything. It was just, it just evolved into that, which is amazingly powerful. And I have been thinking over and over again about every circumstance in my life right now from a business perspective that's been uncomfortable. And it has been the fact that I hadn't created a concrete offer. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you one story very, very quickly about one of the fastest, most interesting offers I've ever created. And did I tell you the Warren Buffett story yet? Oh, you mean the mansion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did tell you yeah. that. Okay, I couldn't remember if we did that in the last episode. We did. Yeah, the, okay. the greatest temporary mansion in the history of Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like an event, and that mansion will only be a great mansion for three Basically or four days. So for you, the listener watcher, who maybe didn't hear the last episode when we talked about this, here's the quick version. I went to Warren Buffett's annual event last year, had a great time, but there were a few things missing. Housing was crappy. Food is horrible. Didn't know where good wine would be. And I wasn't with people I genuinely loved and I wanted to connect with who I felt elevated by. Mm -hmm. So just out of the blue, I think it was actually I left the last strategic coach. So not even two weeks ago, a week mm -hmm. ago. And I decided I'm going to create an offer. So I went home, made a 10-minute video, sent it out to a couple people. You had the mansion by then, right? I, yeah, I had secured the mansion. I decided I was going to do it. Right. right? That's the most important thing. That was the point. one thing. And so I put together this offer, which is meet me and a group of highly curated people, most of which I would have said no to, except for the ones who showed up. And you'll get picked up at the airport in a limo, brought, I've got a master sommelier there chef, who I've known chef. for a chef. You're going to be fed, you're going to be wined, you're going to be dined. We're going to spend a day in advance talking about money, investments, mindset, your future vision, and really just paint a great future for yourself. And then you get to experience these two. It's like going to the Muppet show and seeing the two old men in the... Mm -hmm. But these guys are... They're old. You know, it's like... Warren's 90, no. 90 War and 93, I think. Charlie 88 Mung and 95, Ch yeah, that's what it is. Charlie Munger is 95. 95, yeah. yeah. And as of now, they're in okay health. But, yeah. you know, it's like you can see yeah. they're slowing down. Well, not only that, you better take advantage while you can. Precisely. And if you got to see the Rolling Stones and the Beatles in concert at the same time, 
I'd say you ought to take it. And that's what I compared it to. So anyway, I sent this out. In six hours, I had more spots applied for than I had available. And I did an experiment, which I took that video. So for the record, I despise Instagram. I hate it as a cultural piece. I just avoid it because to me, it's a black hole. Mm -hmm. But... I had my assistant put this video up there. There's too many pictures of junk. Yeah, exactly. Junk pictures. 1-800-GUT-JUNK. Hey, not that kind of junk. Ah! Yeah, can't unsee that junk.com. And so what happened is someone who's here, JR are his initials. I'll tell you who it is after the podcast is done. I don't know if he'd appreciate me. But three out of the eight people, so some of them are couples, are worth over $100 million each. Yeah. And we're going to have very, very high-level conversations. Yeah. And one person who is already planning to work with me on a high level also said yes. And his number one thing was, I want to make sure that there are people I can learn from in that group because I'm usually the guy doing the teaching. I feel I don't feel elevated. So the point of this was, that was a damn good pitch. It hit home. And I realized that I hadn't been making enough offers like that, which are in between the big conversations, being able to invent experiences, which I consider to be one of the future's greatest focuses, which are transformational experiences have massive yeah. value. Yeah. That's really what strategic coach is all about. Transformational experiences. Every experience is transformational and you drive it by a book now. Yeah. What a great offer. It's like, come and you're gonna live the book you're going to live the teachings. You're going to exercise. You're going to understand a big concept that's very deep, very complex, and walk out transformed. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what we're going to be packaging together. I've been getting downloads yeah. just well, thinking really, about this. really so. excited about that, yeah. So anyway, on a future episode, because we might as well tease the daylights out of the future here, Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about capability that one of the mindsets you have to be be to constantly amplify your capability in the world is to see it as positive that you're creating new forms of transformative inequality in the world. Oh, I love that. Everyone wants an unfair advantage. Yeah, but there's transactional advantages and then there's transformational. transformational. And the whole point is that you, you can only become equal by transforming yourself. Yes. And that everyone gets elevated who's enrolled in that yep, thinking. Yep. So that's part of what we'll talk so about is how a, do we broaden that's a tease. Broaden the, the appeal. I like the, that. Okay. I'll okay. Uh, I'll do some meditating. So another fantastic episode. Damn. I'm so excited. This yeah. is great. So what you've witnessed here is to me. The highlight of my month is doing these this was conversations. A ceremony. This was. This is so good. Yeah, that almost sounds dirty. Actually, but it really is. So, hopefully, you've enjoyed this as much as Dan and I have, my friend. This is so much fun creating yeah, this with you. Was great. All right. Thank you again for being a listener or viewer of this podcast. We just love making them for you. So long. Yeah. Will you head over to iTunes right now to rate the Capability Amplifier show? Every rating and review helps spread the message and create more empowered entrepreneurs like you. And if you've already done that, please share this episode with a friend who you know can benefit from Capability Amplifier. And if you have any questions or suggestions, head over to CapabilityAmplifier.com. There you can leave us an audio message and Dan and I listen to every single one of them. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.